Thank you, choir. A perfect setup for what I'm about to speak on. And I, I like this song better than the Lean On Me. Do, 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 do. I like that one better than the one that was on the radio for 40 years ago. By the way, what's two weeks from the day? Easter. I remember I came to you in the middle of winter. It was so cold and I said, 12 more weeks till Easter. I try to encourage you. We're down to two weeks. And uh, you've got two weeks to invite friends. And I hope you're thinking of some. Those who are on your Reach One uh, list in your heart, you're praying that they'll have an encounter with Jesus or something. You know, he's a resurrected Lord. And you're going to want to invite people here to get into his power. We're going to be talking about the power of the resurrection that Sunday. So we've got a bunch of these cards that are out on the table. I'd love it if everybody took three or four of them and somebody at work, somebody at school or whatever, say, hey, you're invited to Old North on Easter. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Last year, I think we were just a few shy of 3,000 people. And this year, God wants a whole lot of people here to celebrate his resurrection. Looking forward to that. Well, I'm in the final segment of Proverbs in my series, and I have this series called W. W is about six different topics that I've entitled with a W to start each word. Last week, it was on whoever, and we talked about whoever it is in your life, how we relate to those relationships. Today, it is on wounds, and Proverbs has a lot to say about the wounds we receive emotionally from the people in our lives. The last couple of days, I was thinking, even as I woke up this morning, how the devil doesn't want me to preach this, because many of us are wounded people. I've been wounded. You've been wounded. We may not be classically wounded at the moment, but maybe there's some wounds we don't know about, and he would love for us not to talk about this. The last thing he wants is healing for, dam he healing for damaged emotions. So be in a spirit of prayer as we talk about the wounds today. Now, wounds are as prolific in our inner spirits and our inner uh, souls as a physical wound. And those of you who've ever had the experience of hitting your thumb with a hammer on a project, you know how it hurts. Well, I'm here to tell you, emotional wounds still have a smart all their own, and you know when you get them. So we've all been wounded. We've all given wounds. And what is a wound? Basically, it's the emotional pain we feel when we're mistreated or offended by others. And it hurts. At least that's what Proverbs says, and I believe the Bible. Proverbs 18, 14 says that emotional wounds can be worse than physical illness. It says, the spirit of a person can endure his sickness, but a, a broken spirit who can bear. So how do these wounds happen? Many, many ways. Let me tell you some that Proverbs says happened to us. When people lie to us, judge us, steal from us, use nasty words, break a promise ignore us, reject us, belittle us, try to harm us in any way, we sustain these emotional wounds. And we all know when it happens. It's not a mystery. We feel it. Now, I have this fundamental theory about wounds. And it is this. Wounds are Satan's fundamental way that he can get to infect our spirit in a bad way. And so what he does is he tries to get as many people around us who are in a re relationship with us to have them wound us in some way so that we don't get over it and then we have infected spirits and he has a victory. And the Bible talks a lot about getting rid of that infection in our soul no matter how it comes and there are so many of us who live with infected spirits because we can't get over it somehow and he has us right where he wants us. 
And so he has two major goals in these wounds. Number one is he wants to contaminate our spirit. I already talked a little bit about that. But he wants us to be wounded and not get over it and develop resentment and bitterness and revenge. And he wants us to be offended and not forgive. And he knows that when that happens, he has defeated us. The second thing he wants to happen with wounds is this. He wants to alienate us from other people. He wants to use those wounds to destroy close relationships, to live out of harmony. And you wonder why so many marriages and families are struggling? I will tell you, wounds that have not been resolved that pull people apart. And they withdraw their spirit and they pull back their affection and their warmth from the offending party. Never good. Now the Apostle Paul chimes in. And he says, you've got to understand what's going on here. Because our focus is always on the person who wounded us. And he said, "Uh uh-uh, that's the wrong place to focus. The reality is the wound may come, but here is what's behind the wound. Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your spouse or your children or your friend or somebody at church. Not primarily. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Do you feel like you want to suit up for warfare? That's the truth. And so what we must understand is that wounds occur through people, but wounds are exploited by Satan to pollute us and to disrupt our relationships with those people. So how do these wounds occur? Takes me to Proverbs. And I've gone through Proverbs and I found out these major wound areas. And so this is the big idea today from Proverbs as we look at wounds. We must understand who wounds us, how they wound us, in order to have healing for our wounds. And so today we're looking at who wounds us, how they wound us, and how we can deal well with those wounds. So I've gone through Proverbs and I've looked at the people who tend to wound the most and how it happens and what we need to do. And so we'll be looking at those categories along the way. But I want to tell you first, there's way too much material. I have to go through it kind of on a Reader's Digest version. And also, normally what I do is I get a collection of verses and I have you stand and read them with me or I read them to you while you're standing. What I'm going to do is pepper them throughout the sermon and read a whole lot of sermon, uh, that is, scriptures throughout the sermon. So I want you to pretend you're standing when I'm reading them, okay? So here we go. We want to look at the four major kinds of wounds in Proverbs that people can inflict on us. And at the end of the sermon, I want to tell you how you can handle them. Here's the first. I'm calling it the spouse wound. One spouse wounds the other spouse. When we get married, the last thing we ever expected is that we're going to get wounded by our spouse. My wife is here. After all the bad weather, she's been able to drive down to to Old North. I'm so happy. But when I stood with her in front of the preacher 44 years ago and I looked her in the eyes, the last thing I thought is, is this girl going to wound me? I wasn't thinking about that. And the last thing she ever thought was, will Al ever wound her? No, we didn't think about that. But you know what? It didn't take too long. And we wounded each other. It happens. In fact, somebody said, so well, if love is blind, marriage is an eye-opener. And I'll tell you what, just a little bit of time, and you're going to see some things happen in your marriage. And if you aren't careful, you will be damaged. And if you aren't really careful, 
Your marriage can be ruined by wounds. Now, spouse wounds seem to run in three major categories in Proverbs. And I admit readily that these categories can go to any relationship. But they are particularly difficult areas because we're so emotionally wrapped up with each other. We are the most intimate relationship on the face of the planet, those who are married. So these kinds of wounds really go in and do damage. And here they are. Wounds that will really inflict damage from the spouse to the other. Number one category is damaging words. Proverbs says that words have incredible power. And the power is in their destroying or in their healing. And we have to understand just how powerful our mouth really is because they can do some terrible things. And so I want to read a proverb or two on the power of the mouth. Proverbs 12, 18. Pretend you're standing now. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I cannot tell you how often I have done marital counseling where I've seen that tongue come out like a sword and just pierce through the partner. It's a terrible thing when it happens and the other person is hurt. Proverbs 15.4 also says, A healing tongue is a tree of life, but deceit in it crushes the spirit. And when you don't tell your spouse the truth, they will feel pain and lose trust and be crushed. It is so on the mark. Here's another one. Proverbs 16, 27. Listen to this. A worthless person digs up evil while his words are a scorching fire. Digging up evil. One time I heard of a man who said, you know what, I had a fight with my wife and she got historical. And the guy said, no, you mean hysterical. She said, no, she got historical. She went back for 15 years and rehearsed everything that I ever did that I shouldn't have done. Reminds me of this quote I saw not too long ago where it says a husband should forget his mistakes. There's no use in two people remembering them. <laughs> Proverbs 17.9 says, cover the transgressions of others in love. Don't rehearse them. Now the energy behind the thrust of pain and the sword and the scorching fire is often anger. And we get angry, and we let the loose cannon go, this tongue and this mouth, and we wound people. In fact, Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered person acts foolishly. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up strife. And in our anger, damaging words fly out of mouths. And I cannot tell you, even in the Christian home, how often I have heard Bad, bad words and accusations go at each other as they fly to hurt each other. It is terrible what can happen. And so Proverbs 15, 28 says that the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. And so when you're angry, you stop. You push the pause button. You ponder how not to wound your spouse. But it says the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Now, does that mean we can't talk about our problems? Absolutely not. We need to talk about our problems. But what it does say is that you can't fire word bullets without wounding your spouse. Category number two, neglect. You know, when you get married, you promise to meet each other's needs. Did you know that? And in marriage, you bring responsibility to the table. And there are things we must do for each other. And when those things are not done, neglect 
wounds the spouse. And I think that might be one of the number one problems we have in marriages today is the failure to meet each other's needs. In fact, Proverbs 3.27 puts it right out there. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And I can rarely think of a situation where the one spouse doesn't have the power to meet the other spouse's need. It is usually you do have that power. And so when married partners have this continual hope that the certain critical needs will be met and they are not met, the wounds occur. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's this spouse hoping and hoping that the other spouse will meet their need and it doesn't happen and their heart gets sick. But listen to this. It says desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And when you start meeting each other's needs, all of a sudden there's green in the leaves and the sap is running through the branches and the fruit is coming and there's a tree of life that's revitalized because the needs are met. But when those needs are not met, then the tree withers. What kind of needs am I talking about? Well, statistics say wives need affection and attention, a whole lot of it. And it says that men need respect and sexual fulfillment and a lot of it. And if that doesn't happen, they get emotionally sick. We build strong marriages by meeting each other's needs. Neglect always wounds. The third major way to wound a spouse in Proverbs. Category number three, infidelity. Man, is there a lot of talk in Proverbs about this one. It's a terrible wound. It is deeply inflicted. And partners who have any kind of sex with anybody else than their spouse or emotional bonding with other people than their spouse are going to inflict deep wounds on their spouse. And that kind of sin, Proverbs said, isn't just about sinning against the spouse. The Bible says it's sinning first against who? God. And so you've got to look at that. And the topic that gets the most verses about wounds and Proverbs among married people is this whole topic of warning them against infidelity. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to put every conceivable hedge up, every fence possible around you in this society in which we live because everything is pulling you in the opposite direction. And so you don't want to wound your spouse through infidelity. So the first major kind of wound in the Proverbs is the spouse wound. It's when one spouse wounds the other, which takes me to the second kind of major wound. It's what I'm calling the parent wound, where parents wound their children. Now, in our day, there's an emphasis even in the secular press about the wounds to children. One of them was in the, in the religious press, a book about 15 years ago by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. And that's talking in part about the wound, and often the wound comes from a parent or a father, he says. And then you see a lot of secular literature out there as well as religious literature on the wounds that come to adult children of alcoholics. And then you see a lot of literature out there about the wounds that come to children from parents through physical and sexual abuse. And that kind of stuff lasts for a lifetime. Now, I just want you to know, no parent is perfect. If I ask you to raise your hand, are you the perfect parent, and your hand went up, I'd say, oh boy, you've got something wrong there because we all do it. But listen, 
you need to know that most of us mean well. We try to do the very best job we can as a parent. Is there an amen? Sure, we try really hard. We're going to make mistakes, but we will wound our children. And Proverbs says there are four major ways that we can wound our children. Number one is lack of instruction and training. There's this major thrust in Proverbs for the parents to train up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the way they should go. And time after time, you will see it say in Proverbs, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. And, my son, give attention to my wisdom. And, do not forsake the teaching of your mother. It is the responsibility of parents to train their children in the ways of God. And if we do not do that, we do, in a passive way, wound our children. Why? Because they won't know which way to walk. They won't have a personal relationship with God that we brought to them early on in their childhood. So they're going to go down ways that are not good. And those ways will hurt them. And in the process, they will wound themselves. And so it's very important to understand that children need to be trained by their mothers and fathers. And one of the fears I have And I have read some literature on this recently, how much we indulge our children in the things of this world, but we don't train them in the ways of God. Here's a second way we wound our children. Proverbs says, lack of discipline. Now, in Proverbs, parents are to play a major role in enforcing instruction, enforcing training. They're to provide correction when their kids step out of bounds. So this discipline thing is big in Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 15 says... Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And so if we don't discipline our children, they become foolish, and when they become foolish, they inflict wounds on themselves. How stupid that is. But it goes back to the parents who don't discipline. Now, we don't want our children to get hurt, and sometimes we we step back from discipline, but it's so important. And so Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way bring shame to his mother. You ever see that happen in a grocery store? They're ready to check out. The mom's there with the cart. Kids, I want some candy. And mom says, no, you can't have any. I want some candy. And this big thing, and guess who wins? The kid. And then you're thinking, oh boy, that mom, you know, she, and shame, she doesn't even see it. And they're so important that we Don't hurt our children by letting them win the discipline war. Now, there's a big debate these days that's even gone political as to whether or not spanking is okay. Proverbs basically allows for spanking, but I want you to hear me. There's absolutely no justification for physical violence with our children when we discipline them. Physical abuse that comes from disciplining children can last for a lifetime with them, and I have seen it happen far too often. But there's a third way parents wound their children. Damaging words. Damaging words. Very much the same as with spouses. We damage our children in the same way. And those wounds can last for a lifetime, especially through demeaning and negative words that bring them down. I cannot tell you the number of times I have heard men. And I've taken over 250 men through Wild at Heart over a period of 12 years. And this came through so often. When the guys would say, my father would say, I'd never amount to anything. Or my mom would say, you can't do anything right. 
They believe those things after a while. One of the guys in the Wild at Heart video, I've seen it 15 times in all those 15 groups. This one guy said, my father would tell me, I'm just like a seagull. I'm only good for eating and sitting and pooping. And children will believe that. And this guy was crushed. We've got to be very careful with our words and the tone of our words. And then way four, sexual abuse. Proverbs doesn't deal with this explicitly, but implicitly. And you've got to go to the spousal wound for that to find out how damaging sexual abuse and infidelity is. And it happens so frequently. I'm here to tell you, you'd be surprised the incidents in the homes in America of sexual abuse. And it even happens in church homes. And hear me. If you ever discover that happening, you've got to report it to the authorities. That cannot become a family secret. Well, we've seen the spouse wound. Spouses hurt spouses. We've seen the parent wound. Parents hurt children. Now, here comes the third major area, one that surprised me in Proverbs. It's what I'm calling the child wound. And the child, the child wound is about children hurting their mom and dad, believe it or not. And Proverbs talks a lot about this kind of wound. And so when Christian parents want more than anything else for their children to turn out well, and to, love the war, and, and to love the Lord and to walk with friends that love the Lord and get their life together. And then they see the children disrespect the parents and go down a road that's so damaging and their parents' hearts are in grief. It's a child wound. And so Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Proverbs 17, 21, he who begets a fool does so to his own sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. So how do children wound mom and dad? Proverbs says three ways. Number one is when they reject discipline. Proverbs 15, 5 says a fool rejects his father's discipline. And some children are very strong-willed. You see that early on in life. And I tell you, I have seen dozens of parents that when the teenagers' years hit, mom and dad have no clue what to do. It seems like they're overpowered all the time by their teenagers. And so they feel this grief, this rejection of discipline, and parents suffer pain. A second way Proverbs says that children wound their parents is lack of respect. And there are many children who get wrapped up in their own thing and they can't see anything but their own way and they do some pretty nasty things to mom and dad. They sass them, they curse at them, they steal from them, they assault them. Listen to Proverbs 2020. He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. Proverbs 19:26. He who assaults his father and drives away his mother is a shameful and disgraceful son. Proverbs 28, 24, he who robs his father or his mother is the companion of a man who destroys. And when you have these things going on in your children's lives, it deeply wounds the hearts of mom and dad. And after all the love and sacrifice for over those years, the child can't see what he's doing. But mom and dad feel it very deeply. There's a third way that children wound their parents' heart. Proverbs says it's poor lifestyle choices. Proverbs talks about the effect that lazy children have on their parents. And today, and I'm not saying this in a 
pejorative way, but there is, we're raising a lazy generation of children. And somehow we've got to reverse that trend. It also talks about the concern parents have when their children make friends with wayward kids. It talks about the grief parents feel when they see their children become sexually active. And we transfer that to the brokenness that parents feel when their children go into drugs and alcohol. And when there seems to be no spiritual sensitivity at all among their children, the parents weep. It's painful to watch a child make lifestyle choices you know will damage them. And Proverbs makes a big point about the way the parents feel. They will feel agony night and day. Parents are going to care a lot about their kids for the rest of their lives. When they hit 25, you just don't turn a button and say, I don't care what they do anymore. <laughs> You're going to feel it. And so we can understand why John said in 3 John this about children. 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And conversely, you might say, I have no greater pain than this to hear when my children don't. Well, we've seen the wounds of a spouse to a spouse, a parent to a child, a child to a parent. Here comes the last wound that we see in Proverbs of a major sort, the friend wound. Now, friendships are not immune to wounds. We wound friends. And there have been a lot of friendships who have been lost over wounds. And so as I go through Proverbs, I found two categories of wounds in Proverbs. The first category is what I'm calling the bad wound. We injure our friends in a number of ways. But let me tell you that the number one way that you will injure a friend is by your big mouth. Your mouth will get you into more trouble with your friend than anything else that you can do. And if you watch your mouth, wounds will be minimal. And Proverbs 21, 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. So watch the mouth. Now here's a little list from Proverbs about what you can say with that mouth to damage a relationship. Harsh words, slander, gossip, backbiting, boasting words, and lying for starters. And so let me give you a for instance. Proverbs 25, 18. Like a club and a sword. This language is vivid. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a person who bears false witness against his friend, against his neighbor. Again, the wounding of the mouth. So we've got to guard our mouth because once you let those words go and they feel the sting of the wound, you can't take it back. Reminds me of this poem I learned 40 years ago. Boys flying kites haul in their white wing birds. You can't do that when you're flying words. Thoughts unexpressed may sometimes fall back dead, but God himself can't kill it once they're said. Bad wounds can be very serious and destroy relationships. In fact, Proverbs 18:19 says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And so we have the bad wounds. Here's the second category of wounds that we can give a friend. It's what I'm calling the good wounds. The good wounds. And these good wounds hurt when they happen. And you might think they're bad when they're given, but they actually turn out to be good. So listen to Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And so every one of us has these blind spots. And to see the blind spot, sometimes God brings a friend, a good friend along to help you see it. It's not easy on the friend who tells you, and it's not easy on the one who hears it. But it's so important that this kind of action come and take, and take place. In fact, the Bible calls these kinds of actions exhortation, repre- reproof, and rebuke. These are good wounds. And Proverbs 25, 12 says, Like an earring of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. And Proverbs 28, 23, He who rebukes a person will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. It is the job, in part, of a good friend to come next to us once in a while and talk to us about our shortness, our, 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 our shortness, excuse me, our weaknesses and our shortcomings. There we go. And, and, and that will be healing to us. You see, it's a good friend that will tell us when there's food between our teeth. It's a good friend that will tell us when we have bad breath. It's a good friend that will tell us when we talk too much. It's a good friend who will say, that was rude to your spouse. It's a good friend who will say, you know, you're spending too much on credit. It's a good friend who will tell us that your language is inappropriate. Now, these people aren't judging us. They're holding up the mirror of the scriptures for us to take a look so we can see ourselves as we are and how we need to be adjusted. And so I can't say that I enjoy those moments when someone comes to me. There are times that they come and I want to be defensive, but I realize in the end it's a good wound. So I adopt the philosophy of Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and God gives us good friends from time to time to give us good wounds. Well, there you have it. Four major kinds of wounds in the Proverbs. The wound of a spouse to a spouse, the wound of a parent to a child, the wound of a child to a parent, and the wound of a friend to a friend. So how do we handle that? I could give you two or three more sermons, but I can't, so let me give you four suggestions. Number one, confess that we have wounded others. I think this is the place to start. To start. So somebody wounds me. The first thing I need is, Lord, I wounded somebody else. I know that I have wounded some people in my life. We've all done that. So God, forgive me for wounding other people. You start right there, and then you learn to express grace. By the way, we need to realize that the one in life that we have wounded the most, can you imagine who it is? Who have we wounded the most in life? The Lord Jesus. We have wounded him time and time. Every day we wound him, and guess what? He just forgives us and loves on us and everything. So we have to extend grace, and we have to understand that we need to love those who wound us. Second is we need to cleanse the wounds we feel. If we're feeling a wound in some way, we need to realize that there is a high probability of emotional and spiritual infection at the wound site. So we've got to cleanse it. How do we cleanse the wound? One word, forgiveness. When we're able to forgive, we are able to cleanse the wound. And when we cannot, we hold on to a wound and we become a prisoner to ourselves and all that goes with that. And we would wish maybe that somebody couldn't get on their knees and say, would you forgive me for wounded you? They may never do that. 
But you cannot let them hold you hostage to your own heart. You've got to be free of that. And the only way you can do that is to cleanse the wound by forgiveness. The third thing that we do is we commit our wounds to God. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 24? He's saying, what do you do when you get wounds you don't deserve? He said, you do the same thing that the Lord did. He was wounded, but he didn't wound in return. Instead, he entrusted his soul to a God who is righteous and able to judge right, righteously. And he entrusted his soul to the Father to cover for his time when his wounds were deep, but he never wounded in return. And that's what we're supposed to do as well. And number four, we're to consider the positive aspects of the entire relationship with people who wounded us. You see what happens after a while if the wound comes from the spouse and she's, or he's done that several times, we start focusing on that and we forget the rest of the good relationship. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to forget that maybe 90% of the relationship is good, but what do we do? We look at the 10%, we can't get past that, and we're trapped. And so we have to look beyond to the entire relationship and realize that there's a benefit that comes from the 90%. And yes, we all have to live with the 10%. You have it and I have it. But let's not let the 10% sink the whole relationship. We've got to learn to appreciate each other even though we are imperfect. You know, it wasn't until my mid-50s that I understood the things that I'm talking to you about today. I've been a slow learner. I, I wish I'd alerted in my 20s. I didn't. I didn't understand wounds until my mid-50s. Now, I had a pretty good childhood. Both of my parents loved me. I went into the ministry. Uh, life seemed so good. And I couldn't figure out why I struggled with low self-esteem. I couldn't figure out why I was afraid of rejection, why I wanted to please everybody, why I had so much trouble in conflict management, especially in the church. And then about 10 years ago, I discovered for the first time the kinds of things I'm talking to you about. And especially that my major wound came from my parents. My parents loved me incredibly. They never intended to wound me. And the wounds that they gave me were passive, not intentional. But they wounded me nonetheless, and I lived with them into my adult years and didn't understand them. Now, I'm not going to process all my stuff with you today. That's between me and the Lord and my parents. But I want to bring one illustration to you. One of the wounds was wrapped around that my parents were overprotective of me. They took away all risk. They wouldn't hardly even let me ride a roller coaster. And so they would protect me, wouldn't let me uh, spread my wings and fly. And something happened when I was a Boy Scout that cemented the wound in that area. Our troop was on a weekend district contest at Camp Delmont. And the troops were there in array, and the goal was to win the buckskin. And the troop that had the best camp and all that stuff that went with it would win the buckskin. And that Saturday night, we had a gully washer of a storm. And we all took precautions, and we were all secure in our encampments. <laughs> Suddenly, the tent door flew open, and there was the face of my mother. She was on a mission, and her mission was to take her boy home out of the rain. 
and nothing I could do would dissuade her. Our troop was going to win the buckskin, but we lost it because one guy by the name of Al Detter defected. You know those guys never let, let me live that down? You talk about pre-bullying, there it was. And I quit the scouts. And I live with a wound of that, the passive wound. My mom meant well. It was terrible to a young man. And so in my household, there were not so many active wounds as there were unintentional passive wounds while I was growing up, but they were wounds nonetheless. And the big wound happened when my mom and dad finally got divorced. And many of those wounds stayed with me. And when I finally figured out what was happening in my mid-50s, I was able to have a conversation with my mother and with my father who was alive at that time. And you know what? Things got better with my mom and my dad. And I was able to understand me a whole lot better. Wounds. We all have them. Wounds. We all give them. But we can't stay stuck in our wounds. We can't stop giving wounds. We can't stop receiving them and doing nothing about them because that will destroy us in the end. And my prayer is that if you recognize today that you're giving wounds or that you have wounds, that God will give you that teachable moment and start to heal. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song. Some of the musicians are coming out here. But if you recognize today that you need some healing, that you need a touch from the Lord, I want you to come forward during the song for prayer. I want to pray for you. Because God never created you to carry unhealed wounds throughout your lifetime. That's a ploy of the devil. And the words of David Siemens, former seminary professor at Asbury Seminary. You need healing for your damaged emotions. Would you stand? Many came forward in the first service that I could pray healing over them. You come today. If you need healing in your wounds, you come. I'll pray as we sing.